boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 13th tome of Season 2 with Corman's Calamity, an episode all about the joys of being a sad and generally unlikable comic book artist who can still pull. Somebody who's not very sad and is very likable and could also still pull. Of course, I'm talking about Petrified Preston. <laughs> welcome boys it's a uh it's another uh another episode of horse from the vault um yeah we have a episode to look at today as well as a comic we uh, you know what i this is a surprise to me who knew we did this we do this week after week it's what shocking. is this the, the 20th 21st episode some, somewhere along those lines but yeah we are here to review some comic book and some TV action and somebody who's really good at reviewing comic book and TV action. Ooh. Of course, I'm talking about devilish Dan. Yeah, that's right. And the only thing I'm pulling is my fat ass out of the chair at the end of the work day. <laughs> you, you pulled that, uh, Fangoria like sponsorship recently. What, what's uh, up with that? I don't know if it's a sponsorship. It's an affiliate thing. It's cool. You know, whatever. If you want 20% off any Fango stuff, including new subscriptions, use the code RedRightDan at checkout. Fango.com. Or sorry, Fangoria.com. He's so good at that. That's why I call him Devilish Dan. He's like the king of of promoting shit. Slick really, plugs. Dan, did you ever did you ever try commission sales? Did you ever dip your toe into that? <laughs> we were just talking about that at work today because I'm in the sales department and I think they want to like kind of move me around to a sales sales position. I'm just like, nah, fam, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm not the guy that's like, but you got to buy this other thing. You can't just buy this one thing. You need to buy this other thing, too. I, I would just be like. You only want the one that's fine. Let's put you down for that. <laughs> so you're not yeah. like the dad from uh, Shares Moonstruck who only works with copper pipes. <laughs> the best pipes. They're expensive <laughs> because they're good. <laughs> We love Moonstruck over here on Horrors from the Vault. Hey, guys. So, like I said, we are back with Corman's Calamity. This is Season 2, Episode 13. It aired on June 26 of 1990. But before we can get into the episode, Preston... Let's go see you over at the House of Horror. Let's do it, shall we? Oh, man, we actually are uh, diving into a Tales from the Crypt book this week, gentlemen. 
31. Yes, that is the installment. August of 1952. And man, this one has the 50s vibes to it, like in a really good way. I actually actually really enjoy kind of a lot of the artwork and the setting of this episode. Um, Wow. So as we open on this thing, our main characters smoking a hookah made out of a skull. <laughs> Guys, I, are you are you hookah people? Have you ever gone hookah wow. eating? We own a hookah. Oh, oh really? You be yeah. Jabba the Hutting up in there? Uh, we haven't used it in probably eight years at this point because it's a pain in the ass to clean out after you use it. But we sure. do own a hookah. The more you know. Man, Damn the hookah wow. guy. Yeah, I remember getting sick one time in college after using a hookah. Uh, that's about the best I got. I feel like hookah, I know it's it's very popular with uh, certain cultures and communities and that sort of thing, but I yeah. feel like it really had a boon in the early 2010s. I remember on yes. my Disney college program, uh, this is the first <laughs> time I'm ever going to mention it, probably the last time I'll ever mention this on Horrors from the Vault, but hookah bars were kind of popping up everywhere. There was one mm-hmm. near the uh, institution <laughs> the place where we lived Vista Way, there was like a hookah and there was like signage everywhere. There were buses that would take you to a hookah bar. I know it's still a thing, but I, I feel like maybe the hookah hype is uh, no. Maybe they got replaced with those, all those frozen yogurt places a couple years later. And <laughs> bubble tea places. Bubble tea. Yeah, they're, they're all there boba go. tea, yeah. which, you know, what? I love boba tea. So we good on that. <laughs> but but would they allow you to smoke out of a skull in in the place near disney Is no they, but you the, know they can't will? stop me grindelwald from the crimes of grindelwald <laughs> oh. he does that he rips a fucking fat one at the end of that movie <laughs> and it's crimes of grindelwald is terrible um i can hear my girlfriend yelling at me from across the house Uh-oh. but uh yeah he does he does rip a fat one out of a skull in that movie maybe we should post that as the teaser for this week dan uh, grindelwald skull bong got it smoking on that hog leg uh all right so wow let's get into this story a little bit this is i I really enjoy this one this is a super meta story and it's kind of the first of its kind that we've seen honestly it's really really cool to see that um these two gents you know they got to tell their co-worker that they're done with done with their love stories horror is where it's at now right they want to make some damn money and uh our guy has to come up with uh you know, with a story to resolve that issue. And um, at the end of this, we get some pretty cool artwork. I wouldn't say, I don't know if it ever fully goes there. That's kind of the one holdback I have is like, I kind of wanted to really see it flex its muscles at the very end as it's getting into the horror-esque story of it. But we do see some good teases and um, that's kind of okay. Um, But I, hell, I like this edition, guys. And I'll be honest with you, before we get into it, I liked it more than the episode itself. Preston, I'm right there with you. My only note this week was, I like this comic more than the the episode. <laughs> I feel and, like, and I feel how like often perfect, have we had that? Yeah, yeah, I know. This, this is one of the first times. I feel like the perfect version of this story is somewhere in between these two, with a yeah, little bit more of that. a comic book leaning. Um, but yeah, I... I enjoyed this story and I actually, you know, usually I like to read the issue and then watch the episode. Um, this one I did opposite for whatever reason. It just worked out in my day that way. And I was like, huh, I'm going to have to see about how I feel about that episode after the next rewatch. The comic, I was like, okay, that was good. I like that. So mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I definitely say check it out. Dan, did, have you checked this one out yet? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, it's the interesting thing about this one is it's a reverse of the TV episode. Instead of like going from writing horror to writing romance, it's the opposite. He writes oh, yeah. romance going into horror, which I thought was an interesting choice. But yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you guys that I actually enjoyed the episode quite a bit. We'll get to the ratings later, of course. But I read the comic. I was like, hmm, kind of wish this was more where the episode went where it was you know a a man slowly driving himself insane rather than what we got in the actual episode yeah i think that's definitely what i liked more about the comic itself i like seeing the turn towards the horror kind of starting from that point it makes sense for the story that the television episode was trying to tell um but i just i just really liked how i liked how it came together in the comic book a lot more yep well said sir well, Dan, since we've gone ahead and got you, let's go ahead and talk about some of that top billing this week. Yep. Uh, some of these are going to be pretty quick, such as the writer, Terry Black. He previously wrote one of our favorites, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. Uh, so you can go listen to him on that episode if you haven't already. The director, Rowdy Harrington, his most important work was probably Roadhouse, which Preston and Hunter love. So <laughs> I'm going to let you guys talk about that. Yeah, man. God, Hunter. I mean, I could, I could, I could turn this episode into Roadhouse for all. I uh, well, I want you to, Preston. I want this to be forty-five minutes of Roadhouse, maybe ten minutes on the Crypt Keeper segments, and then yes. another five minutes on the episode. Um, there we go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so funny. I don't think I was aware of the reputation that Roadhouse had as being like a terrible movie. Um, right? I, I, d- I didn't understand the the Razzie reception uh, until after. I had already seen it and gone, hey, that's a pretty good time at the movies. I enjoyed that. So the fact that people didn't like it um, kind of blows my mind. But yeah, go go watch Roadhouse. Damn good cinema. And if you want to listen to more, if you want to listen about the the disc, maybe you could listen to the Grim Grinning Host episode that just came out earlier this week and was tweeted about. Uh, We'll tell tell you more about that at the end for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know who else we're going to tell you more about? The cast, uh, starting starting with Judge, uh, sorry, not Judge, he's not a judge yet, Harry Anderson playing Jim Corman. Uh, it seemed like he was kind of everywhere when I was a kid, I don't know about you guys, but he was a professional magician that ended up getting a massive role as Judge Harry on 193 episodes of Night Court. Uh, he also had a big stint playing humorous Dave Barry on 98 episodes of Dave's World. He also played Harry the Hat in several episodes of Cheers and Growing Up Richie in the original It miniseries. Yeah, that's what I always knew him from. There was a time in my life I had no idea what any of those shows were. I just literally knew him as the guy from from It. <laughs> you didn't watch Night Court? No, I like I didn't even know uh... what Night Court was until like a number of years ago. Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess it just, it was a little bit pre my time and yeah, I just totally missed it. Even in like syndication and stuff. Yeah. Little Dan would fucks with some night court, man. Richard Maul is, is the, the bailiff is good stuff. You know what else is good stuff? Cynthia Gibb is Lorelai Phelps. She played Holly Laird in 56 episodes of the fame TV series. And we also have Colleen Camp as Mrs. Mildred Corman. She was Yvette in Clue, which I've seen approximately 346 times, and I did not recognize her in this part. Uh, And she's also Connie in The Best Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance. 
Uh, and the last person I wanted to mention was Lance David as Art Goldstein. He was Richard, Richard St. Clair and Barton Fink and Chet in Invitation to Love, the show within a show on Twin Peaks. And that's who I got for this week. All right. Well, guys, you ready to dive into that Crypt Keeper segment? This is the beginning of the referential era, as I'm going to call it, because the next two episodes tie heavily into Tales from the Crypt itself. So you definitely got to come back next week to, to figure out more about what we're talking about. But yeah, it was so fun to have the Crypt Keeper acknowledging Tales from the Crypt, the series. And I mean, I love his little gag about get a load of this. And then they called it Tales from the Crypt. It's cute. It's fun. Um, I really like it. And in fact, there's a similar-ish moment that happens way later in the series. And it's actually on the final ever episode where it ties back into Tales from the Crypt as an entity. Uh, I thought this was cool. And there's just some fun tie-ins to Tales from the Crypt history here that I like. It's, It's meta in a fun way. Yeah, I'm definitely loving the next two meta episodes, the, at least the meta elements of them. And I also like the uh, little Escher reference drawing that he's doing in this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, I love how we get, um, obviously, the Crypt Keeper with the comic. And then when the show opens, we're kind of in the comic offices. So, yeah, we started off really on the right foot, for sure. I love the intro. Yeah, and I like that the Crypt Keeper himself makes a cameo as a prop in the background of the mm-hmm. office. Um, he shows up there, and then, yeah, I just think it's it's a fun way to tie it into the legacy. I figured at some point, because I don't think I've ever seen this episode before, I figured at yeah. some point they were going to tie into the comics themselves. So to get it relatively early on, before they had to kind of start scraping the barrel for material, kind of surprised me that it was right here in the middle of season two. You mentioned the Crypt Keeper in the background. Did you guys see the old witch picture that he has on his desk, too? Yep. Oh, yep. my gosh, yes. It's like a weird live-action version, almost. Each day through my window, I watch her as she passes by. I say to myself, you're such a lucky Horrors from the Vault listeners, are you aware that Tales from the Crypt was originally a comic book? Well, good news! This episode is going to remind you all about it. Jim Corman is working on Corpse Eaters from Pluto, but still hasn't finished the disembowelment yet. But don't worry, his ractacular wife, Mildred, shows up looking like a children's (laughs) hospital in that polka dot dress. But you know what a children's hospital has in it that Mildred doesn't? Children. She's so upset that she's making Jim take experimental fertility pills, but instead of having an effect on his sperm count, it has an effect on his sketch count because he can crank out monsters with the best of him and his latest creation is a more gross and squishy looking version of Killer Croc. Jim goes to the laundromat a few hours later and immediately becomes smitten with Lorelai Phelps and makes weird and creepy excessive eye contact with her. Suddenly, the power goes out and she's backed into a corner by a rapist. Revealing herself as a cop and pulling out some sweet moves she learned from Bloodsport, she backs him up a few <laughs> paces, but he's not very flustered. Instead, she pulls off a sweet fatality with great value Killer Croc beheading the man. Her chief doesn't buy the story, but the next day while walking past the newsstand... Uh, She recognizes some of the previously unsolved cases, and this reptile monster came from a comic called Tales from the Crypt. She notices Jim's name and decides he is the next clue in solving this case. 
All right. Bum, bum. We should talk about this sort of genre of horror because, you know, it spreads through all the various forms, whether it's comic books, whether it's stories. I'm thinking of like there's that great monster episode of Creep Show. Goosebumps has done this plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what this episode felt like. This felt like a slightly more adult take on the Goosebumps series from yes. the 90s. You picked up on that, Preston? Dude, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. That is exactly what it felt like for me. Yeah. Was uh, It was literally, like you said, a, a Goosebumps episode. Yes. The monster designs seem very goosebumpy. It feels like that 90s costume monster design. Um, and I do think that's a strong point of the episode. The monster designs themselves are fun and they are sufficiently elaborate. I really like the zombie that we get later on. He's a very cool looking dude. Um, that said, you guys all, or well, at least Dan, you watched it this week and you had seen it prior, mm. Preston. Um, I'm going to say instead of watching this episode, you should watch Cellar Dweller instead. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. How ironic is it that we've been talking about that movie recently? Again, exactly right. I was thinking the same thing, kind of that meta approach. I mean, it's got very similar, you it, know, very similar plot points. It's the same yeah. movie. I just yeah. watched it last night and I was like, this is this is almost exactly the same. I thing was wondering if you were tired. Did you know when you sat down to watch it, you're like, hey, we're doing this episode on Tales from the Crypt. I need to watch this. No, I got that box set in and I watched yeah. Dungeon Master and then I watched. Uh, no, that's it. I watched Dungeon Master and then I watched Cellar Dweller. And I was like, oh, shit, this is the same fucking thing. I just watched three times last week for Tales uh, for us from the vault. But yeah, this is a trope that we've seen several times in the horror genre, which is just monsters emerging into the real world. Like I said, Cellar Dweller is a feature length uh, interpretation of this concept. Uh, Goosebumps, like Preston and I have said. And then I, I think my favorite example is the one that I mentioned at the top. I really like that monster episode of the Creepshow anthology series mm. that you could stream on Shudder. Yep. Uh, the one thing that starts in the laundromat is uh, if you pay attention to the score, there's little stings from the Tales from the Crypt theme that you know, are either slowed down, sped up, or, or kind of just like drawn out a little bit. And they run kind of throughout the episode, but it's pretty noticeable uh, starting in the laundromat. That's and you cool. know what they're completely overshadowed by? That sappy romance score that <laughs> underlines so many of these scenes. Yeah. yeah. That that 1980s soap opera shit is not good. Uh, As a police officer, how do you avoid catching a case? It's certainly by doing what Lorelai does by hiding in the back seat of Jim's car. She tells him (laughs) that she thinks he's connected to all the strange happenings around town, including a T-Rex and a Volkswagen. He obviously is very skeptical about this. He agrees to draw her a new monster and takes her back to his office and he lays down the worst game of all time. Somehow it still works. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is where a lot of my complaints of Dan and I'm going to go ahead and get this out so I can hear why you you've kind of set up. You enjoy this episode. I think this episode has like some absolute terrible romance in it. It's got it does. zero mm. chemistry between the two leads, like none whatsoever. And the reversal of the gender roles thing that's kind of going on here. Normally I'm fine with it, but here it is so corny and so hokey that I am just not into it at all. Especially Jim, where he's just like completely fawning over this woman and like... <laughs> 
he, you know, he's like bending on the elbows and fluttering his eyelashes. And he's like, meet me at dinner. There's just like something about it that does not work for me whatsoever. In fact, I think it's kind of creepy. And it doesn't help that I think that Jim is kind of a dick. Like, he's not a <laughs> terrible guy. He's not like, you know, he's he's not out killing anybody. He's got no malicious intent. But he obviously hates his wife and he can't get away from his wife. But his wife is just like, the the bitchy character and like she doesn't deserve the fate that she ultimately gets and she doesn't deserve this treatment by jim because she's kind of right he's got this wandering eye and he's like constantly like making moves on other people i don't know there was something about the weirdness of that whole relationship that put me off of this episode yeah judge harry anderson is not known to be like a you know a, a love interest type character even though i think he had a love interest relationship storyline with Marky post on that show. I don't remember a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure. But yeah, he, he is not charming in this episode at all. <laughs> uh, there's very few likable people The you know, Lorelai is pretty much the only likable person, but I will say that uh, you mentioned him being creepy and there's one little, little uh, subtext thing that I wonder if you guys picked up on. I'll, I'll talk about it later on and when we get there to the hmm. end, but uh that that really kind of solidifies him as a uh, as a creep and maybe not a great person. Well, and I could be wrong on this, so you guys obviously chime in. But we've seen this before, where like we have like a not so likable character, and I feel like we're obviously supposed to really dislike the wife. Like they paint her in not a positive picture, obviously, yeah. and mm-hmm. so like we're we're kind of just supposed to overlook his like downfalls just because I don't know that that's kind of how I felt, but I completely agree with you guys. Like I didn't buy it for a second. Unfortunately, it was, it it was just very forced. Yeah. I don't think his, I don't think Mildred has played up enough where you buy his motivation for wanting to get rid of her. Like it just seems like a really bad relationship and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And like, that's fine. That could be a story in and of itself, but I think it's like it's not cruel because it's a goofy story. You know, it's like it's humorously told. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm not like weirded out by it or anything. I'm not having the uh, the <laughs> the the general pondering that threes a crowd gave me. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I was still kind of off put about this because Jim, he's not a character that I connected with. I didn't find the performance particularly interesting. And uh, frankly, I just think his. Uh, I guess kind of smooth moves here for lack of a better term. Uh, I didn't buy it whatsoever. So none of this really came together for me. I was kind of just waiting when they were off screen for more monster action. And we'll talk about that because the drawing that Jim makes, uh, it does come to life, which is that zombie that I mentioned earlier. And he chases some kids around a local junkyard in my opinion, this is the best scene of the entire thing, and I would have rather watched an episode about this instead, which is this zombie in a junkyard chasing around a bunch of kids, a gang of kids. <laughs> I think that would be, you know, that that's a really good setup for a fun story. And uh, every time we, we reached the scene in the rewatch, I was kind of like, oh, well, kind of wish we were watching that instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's a hell of good. a looking good zombie. I, I like the yeah. zombie a lot more than the the sea monster earlier on. I thought that one was a little Roger Corman esque looking. This one was, you know, he had some like dust and and cobwebs on him, and yeah. like, there's the the goo going on. It was it was pretty good. Jim, he's all over Lorelai, 
And he begins drawing pictures of the two of them having dinner together and mm-hmm. sets up that sweet dinner date. And Dan, I think this is what you were talking mm-hmm. about right here. Yes. It is. yes. He he basically uh, for he manifests their relationship together with his overactive imagination. So who knows? Once he stops taking those fertility pills with his very fertile imagination, who knows where this relationship <laughs> goes? They're messing with my brain. <laughs> There, there's a few episodes that I want a sequel to, and I kind of want to see a sequel to this one just to see what happens when, you know, the relationship falls apart and like the, the magic literally, you know, kind of rubs off of their relationship where, you know, she realizes the only reason I was with him is because he drew this picture. And yeah, I want to see the uh, the calamity that that starts. <laughs> Corman's calamity too, Electric yep. Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unfortunately for Jim, his wife, his terrible wife, right, Preston, overhears yeah. their phone conversation and rushes in looking like Donald Duck. She runs out of the office after a short little back and forth. And then Jim starts to draw this terrible, monstrous version of his wife, which he started to sketch earlier. I like the little detail of when he crumples the ball together and you kind of hear the whimper and it, it fades away. And then this creature comes back. Mildred runs back into the office with a gun and she's going to kill Jim. But that monster version of Mildred that he just drew comes to life and completely destroys her. (laughs) There's blood on the carpet. I believe that's what the Tales from the Crypt wiki said. It is noted that she dies as hinted by the blood on the carpet. Yep. Yeah. Dude, the monster popping up in that corner like that drew quite a laugh from me. I will say. (laughs) Like that it's, was that was funny. It's yeah. a goofy set. It reminds me a yeah. little bit for you HHN people out there, a little bit of that Treaks and Foons mm-hmm. style goofiness, a little bit of that Spy Kids weirdness. I think that's uh, what the monsters remind me of, Spy Kids. Oh, I can see that. I love the way this monster wife monster looks. I think it looks fantastic. <laughs> the the suit is great. It looks realistic, you know, like it, it looks like a cartoon come to life. Yeah, it does yeah. look good, yeah. So what is interesting is that Jim here, with his famous pills, he throws them in the trash. So what happens after the end of this date, Dan? That's why we need a sequel. Well, I think uh, it's probably going to take, you know, any for 12 to 24 hours for those pills to work their way out of the, out of the system. Um, yeah. Lorelai is going to wake up next to him in bed one day and just be like, what, wait, did you... Did, did you drug me? What's going on? And, and and it's going to be bad, especially since she's a cop and can probably work up a case. But then she's going to lose her job because she's going to look like a nutcase because the, the, the um, chief already didn't believe her about the, the monster or the dinosaur in the Volkswagen. So uh, he's probably going to fire or uh, maybe send her to mental health treatment. Um, she's going to lose her job. She's going to be out on the street. She's probably going to get addicted to some sort of drugs, maybe turn to prostitution and then join up with, uh, Leah Thompson and become a street employee. Yeah. I was about to say that street employee work to mm-hmm. you, buddy. Yeah. Hey, writing Cinematic credit universe. Dan. Yeah. Give it to the man. Yeah. Thank you. Cosby. Cosby's calamity. Jim as the as uh, his wife, I'm sorry, and the... I just I just oh. picked up on Cosby's oh coma. Jesus! <laughs> well, I was late to that one too. I was oh, just gonna let it ride. Um. Uh, <laughs> Monster wife and real wife engage in a fight, which ultimately ends up with real wife's death. And Jim just casually walks out and meets Lorelai, who had just walked up. 
During the date, uh, she asks if he's married, and he goes, not anymore. You bastard. <laughs> and that's basically the end. I feel like we rushed through it, but between a couple of different action sequences and just kind of the, the plotting romance that happens in here, wasn't as much of a summary that I had to type for this one as, as some of the others. But we do close, of course, on the Crypt Keeper. I like that we actually see him drawing here. He's doing... Yeah. Yeah, it's just a neat little thing, and I'm pretty sure they're hands and gloves. You know, like, that's the only thing that makes sense. But it is a neat little scene, and I like the way it comes together. He's getting more fluid week by week with his best performance so far, I think, comes up in the next episode. So once again, tune in next week. But this is a very cool scene of him doing his final little drawing here. Dan, for someone who didn't, I, I feel like you you set yourself up here where you're like, I like this episode. Let me tell you why. You really got to lay it out here in last respects because you didn't have many notes <laughs> here in the uh, episode recap itself. Yeah, liked, not loved. Um, I thought that the performances were fine. I thought the creature effects were pretty great, especially that last one. Um I'm going to go right down the middle with it and do a two and a half severed fingers straight up. Um, I think that the subtext of, you know, him manifesting the love relation, the love relationship, the the, uh, relationship (laughs) with each other kind of gives a a, a little implication of a more twisted story, which I enjoy. Uh, You got to kind of watch it and dig into it a little bit, but it is there if you watch it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it two and a half. I thought it was decent. Definitely not one of the best. Interesting. Okay. I expected you to be much yeah, higher the way you set I it up. So like too. I thought, no wonder you were quiet. You, you didn't have no defense here. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Petrified Preston, where are you sitting on this episode? Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I feel like I, I just really did not like the story in this way. It honest to goodness just did not connect with me. And I, honestly, I mean, it's pretty bad, but how long was this one? 27 minutes. I mean, pretty I just, short, yeah. I felt like this one was one of the more disconnected I have been um, just in terms of like, okay, put the phone down, no distractions, like stay alert through this. Like it, it was just difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said though, I mean, you know, through the help of Dan and, and kind of your summary, I mean, there there are good things there. It's just, unfortunately, the story, the characterizations are not among them. Um, man, I don't want to be too harsh. I'm, hmm, I'm thinking, a, I was thinking two, two out of five, two severed thumbs, which is interesting because Dan seemed to like it much more than me, and he's he's just a bit above. But, I mean, I feel like that's a that's a pretty fair assessment yeah i thought Uh, you were gonna roll in a little lower yeah yeah i I think i'm gonna stick right there i'm also gonna join you right there with a two preston i feel like that's pretty appropriate there's episodes that i definitely like less than this but there are a heck of a lot more that i like more than this one and i think a big part of it is exactly what you said it was engagement i never felt like 
I never felt like I was watching the show. I felt like I was watching myself watch the show. I was having an, <laughs> an out-of-body experience negatively, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I never felt fully immersed in it. And I think, like, it's a combination of different things. I don't think the story was the best well told. I think even the direction itself, you know, we, we talked about Roadhouse earlier uh, and its direction. This is one of those where I could be like, yeah, I think this is one of the weaker directed episodes as well. Um, there's really not much that I liked out of here except for seeing the uh, uh, the the maid from Clue mm-hmm. um, and then enjoying some of that monster action and some of the tales from the crypt. But all that is so brief and like so supplementary to the episode itself. I think a two is a very fair score. And if I was in a foul mood, I might even go to a 1.5. But I think two's pretty yeah. respectable for where I want to put it. Did you recognize her as Yvette from Clue without looking it up? Uh, no, 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 I did yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, completely different character. <laughs> she's, she's, yeah. she's too covered up, unfortunately. Yeah. I would have I would have recognized <laughs> for two big reasons, and that was... Yeah. For, for those that don't know Clue, she plays the Mrs. White character that they renamed Yvette for some reason in the Clue movie, uh, which is awesome, and everyone should go see the Clue movie, and she is like a sexy French-made sex pot, and this episode, she is not that at all. She's, uh, I believe I described her in the recap as rectacular, and that's what she does in Clue, uh, which had a really fun uh, Shell Factory release this year, by the way. Good yeah, reviews. Right. That up. You yeah. got, the, got the 4K treatment. Yeah, I've only seen Clue once, and it has been a what? number of years. So yeah. I, I know I need to revisit it for, for sure. I remember thinking that when I saw the release. So yeah, furthermore now. All right, so we've got a two and a half, a two and a two. So I guess that puts us at an average of two. So, hey, Corman's Calamity, Cosby's Calamity, whatever we're calling you. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Watch those pills, kids. Watch those pills. They might not fill up your testes, but they'll fill up your imagination. (laughs) Petrified Preston, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Hey, dude. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, Yeah, keep up with us. We're all over the place, man. We're all on Letterboxd. You can find me under at Preston967. Find me on Twitter under that same handle. I'm on Facebook under Preston Green. And you can find my ass right here on Whores from the Vault. Yes, indeed, fellas. Nice, nice. Devilish Dan. Yeah, hey, if you want to check out uh, the socials for the podcast, it's Horror Vault Pod at all the different social areas. Uh, and my personal one is Red Right Dan. That's all the same socials, no TikTok, no Facebook. Um, but if you want to look at movie recommendations and ratings, you can check me out on Letterboxd as well, dropping logs at Daniel P. Sim. Awesome, awesome. You can find me right here on Horrors from the Vault, part of the Neozaz Podcast Network, which also features the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. But you can also find the three of us on my home show, Grim Grinning House, part of the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network. We just talked about our favorite physical media releases of the year. We've been talking about this episode for what feels like a month now on Horrors from the Vault. It is finally available. It is a beautiful two and a half hour <laughs> finale for GGH. There will be no more after this. This is how I want to be remembered. But <laughs> seriously, the uh, three of us got together five picks each to talk about some of our favorite Blu-ray and 4K releases and even a DVD 
releases of the year. There's some real quality stuff. And if you are somebody that enjoys your home theater and you like buying your movies, which is more important now than ever, uh, go check out that episode. And even if you don't buy your movies, that's fine. Go listen to that for some fun movie recommendations. We talk about some of your favorites and probably some stuff you've never seen before either. So go check it out. Oh, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Discount Vincent Price. Thanks, dudes. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Horrors from the Vault. We appreciate you for tuning in. Crypt Keeper, put down that pin and get to slapping on the boots. Ha, 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 ha,